0: You know, when they talk about efficiencies with safety light curtains, that's kind of where it comes into play is it's a lot quicker to access the area that you need to on that machine, do what you have to do, and then get that machine up and running so that the downtime is minimized.
1: Welcome everyone to the Operation Automation Podcast by OMRON where we are talking all things factory automation. My name is Carrie Lee. I'm the product manager for Sysmac Studio, NJ NX Controllers, and NXIO. I've been with Omron for about two and a half years and have about 15 years of experience in automation. Sitting here with me is Kenny Heidel.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Kenny Heidel and I'm a national account manager focusing on channel engagement. I've been with Omron for over three years now and have 12 years of combined factory and industrial automation experience.
1: Kenny and I are neighbors at our run office and would often have conversations at the coffee machine or in the hallways where we would talk about products, new technologies, and trends, and of course, the Chicago White Sox. We hope to recreate that time here in our podcast and share it with listeners so that you can learn along with us. So whether you are pouring yourself the first or fifth coffee of the day, driving to your first appointment, or walking the dog, we hope to help you start your day off right with a little fun and hopefully you'll learn something new. So, Kenny, today we're going to shed some light on the topic of machine guarding. Um, I think we've got the expert here, and I'm hoping that you can enlighten me a little bit. So, I guess, first off, can you tell me the difference between perimeter guard versus point of interaction?
0: Only if we can have more puns in our conversation.
1: <laughs> done and done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, So when you're looking at the difference between perimeter guarding and uh, machine guarding or point of interaction safeguarding, you know, it's all about where the the operator is. You know, if you have an operator that is maybe standing outside of a very large machine and they don't necessarily have to, uh, you know, access where the hazard is often, this is where you could probably use like a perimeter guard safety light curtain. Whereas, you know, if you have an operator maybe loading or unloading parts, or it's at the end of a conveyor and a forklift is coming in to take parts off, that's kind of seen as more of a point of interaction. That's where you'd probably use uh, a higher resolution light curtain that could potentially pick up like a hand or even even down to a finger to make sure that that, that body part doesn't get stuck in the, in the hazard area. So a lot of it depends on how, how the machine is interacted with.
1: When you talk about resolution, can you explain that a little bit more?
0: Sure. So you'll see it two different ways uh, across the industry when they talk about light curtains. You'll see resolution talked about as either finger, hand, arm, or even leg and torso resolution. So that's the type of body part that you're trying to pick up. You'll also see in a lot of spec sheets where they'll try to talk about minimum object sensitivity. So there will be two different values, but what that minimum object sensitivity is going to tell you the smallest size object that you can detect. But in general terms, you're probably looking at, all right, 14 millimeter resolution is finger protection, 25 millimeter resolution is hand protection, and it goes on up from there for uh, arm and leg and body. So these are just kind of resolutions that you can actually detect those different body parts.
1: So if you had, if you, like maybe somebody set it up wrong, but if you had like leg detection, would a finger go potentially be able to go through that? Because the resolution is is too big,
0: it would be possible. Yep, yeah. And where the resolution comes into play is it's how far apart the the different LEDs are in the light curtain itself. Okay. So, as an example, if you were trying to use a uh, a leg protection safety light curtain, you know those beams are far enough apart they can detect your leg, but you could easily probably put one, two, or even three fingers in that gap and get through to where the hazard zone is. So you definitely have to be careful. Uh, making sure you're understanding what uh, what you're trying to detect at that point of interaction.
1: Okay. You know, what if a customer wanted to just say, you know what, we're gonna have the highest resolution for everything. So whether we're trying to detect a leg, a finger, whatever, we're gonna do all finger protection, what does that affect? Is there is there a cost difference? Is it affect performance to have the the wrong resolution going the other way? Kind of, you know, better safe than sorry.
0: Sure, sure. Your next and one. I mean, there's, you know, it's kind of like the belt and suspenders approach, right? Um, you could put finger protection on every safety light curtain application you would need. The problem would be you would spend a fortune doing that. Okay. So the, as you start to get into lower resolutions and by lower resolutions, smaller amounts that you can pick up, like down to finger protection, you're starting to put more LEDs into that light curtain. So your cost is incrementally increasing for that same application where not necessarily you would need that type of uh, resolution at that point. And when you'd look at maybe like a response time comparatively between um, like finger resolution, like am I gonna gain anything by putting a finger resolution light curtain as opposed to a different size? Response time for most light curtains nowadays is very, very fast and very similar. So depending on, okay. there might be a slight change in in the resolution between the two, but using the finger protection isn't really going to buy you anything by saying, all right, it's got a faster response time so I can mount it, you know, much closer to the hazard. It's not necessarily going to buy you anything on that side.
1: I see. So you're basically just paying for a bunch of LEDs you don't need to protect your foot.
0: Correct. correct. Got it. Okay. I mean, it will protect your foot for sure. It will protect right. like pinky toe. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Is there a lot of plants where they're letting you with flip-flops? Maybe. Maybe the out west or something, right? The west yeah,
0: maybe, coast. <laughs> maybe if somebody's working out of a, uh, a nice barn or something like that, where they're putting some machine light curtains in or something like
1: that. I'm picturing like a surfboard manufacturer, just like oh, yeah. really laid back. Well, you gotta <laughs> test
0: the product right after you make right? it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So more and more developments in light curtains, would you say that hard hard guarding is becoming obsolete or is there still a place for hard guarding in a manufacturing facility?
0: I think a lot of it comes down to when you do a risk assessment, what that risk assessment tells you, you know, there may be applications and machines that there is not a fast enough responding safety device that can respond before someone could, you know, potentially get their hand or finger into an area where they could be harmed. So I think there's still a place for hard guarding. But I think what's starting to happen is you're seeing customers more and more, you know, seeing the technology trends with safety light curtains, especially on the, the perimeter guard side and seeing it as a viable option to use in their application, because, you know, and traditionally, maybe before you would say, all right, we just got to hard guard the whole thing. It's the safest way to go, you know, put interlocks, safety interlocks on the doors, things like that. Whereas now, you know, there's a lot of cost involved with doing that, that there are new products coming out that can provide an equivalent safety uh, protection for that machine without having to incur all that upfront cost.
1: So is it a push because basically the cost to create the light curtains has gone down or is it people are, you know, I hear the term flexible factory all the time. So people want to have more options as far as, you know, how a plant layout may even change. Is it a combination Mm -hmm. of both? Um, You said that hard guarding is expensive. I would think a piece of plastic is less expensive than some electronics. So help me understand... Where that savings comes in?
0: Well, I think you're seeing some savings on, you know, different light curtain manufacturers are driving the costs of their products down, but still achieving optimal performance out of those. That now that price of light curtains has actually come down to make it an affordable alternative. Uh, But on top of that, you know, you talk about the flexible factory. Using safety light curtains really gives you an inefficiency advantage. All right. So picture a giant machine, um, something on it breaks or shuts down. If you have that set up completely hard guarded all the way around, you know, there's a safety procedure to be able to enter that area. And there's, you know, it's going to take you a lot longer to enter that area to start to do the maintenance activity on that machine. Whereas if you just have a set of safety light curtains set up to create that perimeter, You know, for me to access that area with a machine that's already shut down, I just have to walk through. I don't have to mess with any safety interlocks. You know, potentially depending on where the hard guarding is located relative to the machine, you know, I don't have to move anything physically out of the way to be able to get to uh, what I need to to perform maintenance Mm -hmm. on that machine. So I think there's some of you know when they talk about efficiencies with safety light curtains, that's kind of where it comes into play. Is it's a lot quicker to access the area that you need to on that machine do what you have to do, and then get that machine up and running so that the downtime is minimized.
1: That makes total sense. Okay, cool. So what are some new technologies that, you know, you talk about the efficiency, what are some other things that we, you know, can get out of a light curtain that can help improve efficiency in a manufacturing?
0: Facility? Sure. Um, well, we have a, a couple of things that you're starting to see in the industry as well, is um, a lot of light curtain manufacturers are starting to put indicators on the face of the light curtains. You know, we have them on our light curtains. You'll see a lot of our competitors have that as well. It kind of has a a twofold approach. Uh, One, it helps with uh, alignment. So if you can imagine you're trying to set up two four-foot light curtain sticks that are maybe 15 feet apart, it can become very challenging without any kind of visual indication on the face to know that those are perfectly aligned. Because if they're not aligned enough, that's where, you know, someone comes by, knocks it with a box or, or a mm-hmm. forklift, hits it, knocks it out of alignment. That's going to shut your machine down. And the other advantage of using indicators on the face as well is, you know, if you have a very smoky, dusty, dirty environment, you could start to get some debris on the face where it starts to tell you, you know what, I'm not. I'm not working as well as I, you know, my receiver is not receiving enough light from my my emitter. So mm-hmm. I probably need to have my face cleaned or potentially now I've become misaligned. So it's kind of starting to give us a little bit more of that, that predictive and preventative maintenance activity information so that, you know, if you get to a machine and you don't spend 10, 15 minutes at the machine trying to figure out, okay, this machine shut down, but why is it shut down? So you'll see a lot of information coming out of the the indicators on that as well to give maintenance people a lot more information upfront. Another thing you're starting to see too is IO-Link. You know, you've seen IO-Link a lot on the mm-hmm. uh, on the controller side. There's a couple light curtain manufacturers that are now starting to implement IO-Link. Again, going at that that whole you know like we talked about in our last episode, the IOT uh, sector where where customers are trying to get more data out of their devices so that they can make better maintenance decisions. So a lot of what you're getting out of from a light curtain is kind of initial status, but also um, you could be looking at some of the light levels themselves. So on an HMI, you could visualize that you know what the bottom half of my light curtain looks like; it's not aligned properly, or potentially has dust on the face. So it really drives your your maintenance activity from there.
1: Okay, so essentially the IO Link isn't sharing safety data; it's sharing. It's shedding some light, would you say, on uh, maintenance activities?
0: Well done. Well done. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, yes. Uh, there, you know, we've have heard some discussions of safety over IOLINK. Uh it hasn't created so much traction comparatively to just, you know, IOLink communication from a standpoint of just getting data out of your devices. It is becoming a little bit more of a topic, but the emphasis hasn't been there. And I think you know, making it a safety protocol. There's other safety protocols like SIP safety and and safety over EtherCAT that are that are out there that I think are becoming a little bit more prevalent right now uh, on the controller side, especially as opposed to to safety over IO-Link.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, you mentioned IO-Link over safety. I've seen a couple things kind of come out where some of our competitors have been trying to promote iolink over safety or safety over iolink mm-hmm. but I, what i've read and what i've heard is that that's really not a thing have you heard anything of it becoming something it's kind of some you know typical product managers trying to get clever with buzzwords you know how those product managers are
0: oh yeah, oh, yeah. all <laughs> the smoke and mirrors right
1: right would you say smoke and light show like smoke a light show
0: light yeah kind yeah. of like a light show exactly yeah. <laughs> um, you know there's there's been some some discussion in the industry about it, but there's nothing or I shouldn't say nothing. There's some traction to it, but there's a lot more work, I think, that has to be to go into it that it's not quite at an evolved status as, as something like SIP safety or or safety over either cab.
1: Sure, yeah, that's what I was just going to ask, if they even had any way, because I know when it comes to SIP safety specifically, there's a lot of special hardware and uh, Mm -hmm. configuration, and in a certain way, the message has to go to give that priority to the safety, and I'm assuming with the small amount of data on IO-Link, that'd be pretty tough to get to. So I didn't know, know, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Do you see um, a lot of light curtains being put on SIP safety or FSOE? Or so hand. not
0: necessarily. It seems to be more on the uh, the controller platform mm-hmm. that that's going. You know, you're getting your uh, your transistor outputs coming out of the light curtain. And a lot of times that's running to either a safety relay, uh, whether it be force guided or has built in external device monitoring. But usually it's being run to some kind of relay or some kind of I.O. card, uh, safety I.O. card. Whereas then uh, the communication is happening with with the controller itself, and you know the, then the communication is going back either SIP safety or or safety over EtherCAT. Okay. You know, so it's always it's the same thing. You know, you you start. It seems like with with customers, you'll start to talk about. You know, we have IO-Link, and then the first question is, okay, can I write information to that device? You know, can I make configuration changes over that? And You know, a lot of what you're seeing, at least on on the safety side with IO link right now is it's it's more of a a read only. I want to I want to get all the data out and make my own determination out of that, as opposed to, you know, making configurations changes that way.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So kind of switching topics, but this is something I've never understood. So I'm hoping that you can help me understand what's the difference between blanking and muting.
0: Uh, So you can think of muting like a flash. So the main difference between blanking and muting, muting always involves motion. So you could think of muting as I have a box going down a conveyor that's going to travel to different parts of, um, you know, maybe a robotic cell or something like that. So as it travels to the different locations, it's going to travel through light curtains to protect those areas. Mm -hmm. So as this box is approaching a new area, you know, typically with muting, you'll have a either... um, two sensors on the front or two sensors on the front and the back. And what it does is it measures the speed of the box, checks that with how the light curtain or the controller is programmed, and then basically shuts the light curtain off so the box can go through. And then once the box is through, turns the light curtain back on. Okay. Whereas, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes total sense,
0: <laughs> Um, Whereas blanking, uh, so there's two types of blanking. There's fixed and floating blanking. Blanking you can think of is I'm putting my hands over LEDs on certain parts of the light curtain to say that these are always going to have some kind of obstruction, but I don't want that obstruction to always keep my safety outputs off. So for instance, like if you had a press and it had part of the die was sticking out into where the light curtains were, you could blank out the beams where that die is. So the light curtains are still protecting, but that die part is not uh, tripping the light curtain. The difference between fixed and floating blanking is fixed blanking. It's always the same beams. Floating blanking is telling me, all right, I know I have an object. Maybe it's on the same press. And when the press comes down, part of the material that's getting pressed moves up and down. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in this case, I know the thickness of that part, but it's going to be at a different location along the light curtain height. So that's what's called floating blanking, is I'm going to blank three beams. I'm not going to tell you which three beams they are, but there should be always three beams that are obstructed. And then when the light curtain sees more than that, that's where the safety outputs turn off and the machine shuts down.
1: Okay. Now, what if we had a different die? So let's say we had a press and we changed dies. Can you change for the fixed blanking? Can you change which which beams are being blanked?
0: Yep. There are ways. Um... Uh, we're we're working on a solution right now, but we have a solution with one of our our light curtains as well. That you know, it's called a quick teach blanking. So okay. in uh, in certain areas where maybe they have a lot of die switches on presses. That's where every time you would switch the die, you can just reconfigure the light curtain to which beams need to be blanked and how it needs to be blank. Maybe you're putting one die in and it always stays in the same spot. And the next die, maybe uh, with the part that it's pressing on, actually moves up and down. You know, you can adjust that accordingly in between.
1: Okay. Well, wow. there's a lot of technology in those light curtains.
0: I know, I know. It's definitely with a lot of competition in the market now, you definitely see, you know, light curtains are used in a lot of different applications. So, a lot of a lot of light curtain manufacturers are trying to put more feature rich into these light curtains so you can do more in the light curtain as opposed to having to create those types of programs in the in the controller.
1: So, I guess on that note, what would you say are the top 3 Omron features that people are excited about? And then when you do those, are they OMRON only or are they, most competitors have them, but it's a very popular choice?
0: Sure, sure. So the top three light curtain uh, characteristics that I would say for OMRON light curtains, number one, with our new light curtain, the F3SGSR, is the three color area beam indicators. A lot of our competition you'll see has two colors or potentially like a numerical digit. The three colors is just very intuitive, you know. I know green is good, yellow is getting worse, and red is safety outputs are off and the machine is shut down. Uh, So that's definitely an innovation that has helped us. Another good feature for the OMRON light curtains is actually our protection range. So how far you can put the light curtain sticks apart. A lot of it speaks to how strong the LEDs are in our emitter and what in the signal that we're sending out. So uh, we actually have some of the longest-ranged light curtains on the market. So with uh, machine-guarding light curtains, anything hand protection and above goes up to 30 meters. If you look at perimeter guarding, we can get up to 110 meters in protection range. So we can create a very large perimeter around even the largest uh, machines. And then uh, lastly, I think, is some of the ability for us to, to program with our, our PC software, the SD Manager 3. Um, we've made it very easy to kind of outline, you know, depending on what advanced feature you're enabling in the light curtain. Very nice, easy instructions, quick steps that you can kind of walk through and then upload that program to the light curtain itself. And now you've you've made that program. And you can even connect your your laptop or your computer, you're doing that via Bluetooth to the light curtain. So you don't have to worry about trying to go find a, a USB C or USB cable or whatever mm-hmm. connection method you would have to have. Just makes it a lot easier doing that Bluetooth connection.
1: Okay. Well, wow, that's pretty cool.
0: So So do you feel enlightened?
1: I feel like you have really made me a much brighter person when it comes <laughs> to light curtains. Next time we talk about light curtains, I'll have to wear sunglasses cause you're so bright. When it comes to... <laughs> okay, um, I think it's time for some trivia, unless there was anything else you wanted to hit.
0: No, I think that's good. i hope uh, I hope that's given our listeners a, a good background on on light curtains and some good information to take to their customers.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I learned a lot. i I really enjoyed it. Okay, so, What I want to do is two truths and a lie. Okay. But we're going to do two lies and a truth to make it a little easier for you. Okay. Okay. Just so you understand where I'm coming from. Okay. So the two lies and a truth. So number one, light curtains are black and yellow because the inventor of light curtains was from Pittsburgh. Number two, the first light curtain was made of wood. And number three, the inventor of the light curtain, was Thomas Baliff.
0: So So I only one of
1: those is true.
0: I'm going to say one of the lies is the first one, being from Pittsburgh.
1: That's true. It is a lie. It actually um, was to help. So the reason they're yellow and black is to make it stand out. So it's obvious that it's for guarding.
0: Gotcha. And then I think the other one, I actually think the truth is the one that was made out of wood.
1: You're right. Kenny, you know your light curtains. Way to go.
0: I thought the bailiff name. Yeah. I, I, you almost had me on the last one until you threw the name in there. And I was like, eh, I don't think that guy was the do, inventor.
1: <laughs> do you know who did invent it? It is another German company. competitor. I think
0: it's somebody from SICK, right?
1: Correct. It's yeah. Dr. SICK. Oh, Dr. <laughs> Which is the best name I've ever heard of. I would never yes. go to that person if I needed medical help, yeah. but Dr. Sick. I hope that sounds of like
0: our a bot.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, very good. So, I guess that wraps up our show for today. Thank you, Kenny, for enlightening me on the topic of perimeter guarding and safe machine guarding.
0: No problem. No problem. I'm glad I could uh, shed some light on this mystery. <laughs> Thank you everyone for joining Carry Me for the Operation Automation podcast. If you have topics you'd like to hear discussed on future episodes, please send them to our email address omrannow at omron.com, with podcast idea in the subject line. Also, if you'd like to submit a song to us, we are looking for intro and outro music options. This can be submitted to the same email. Finally, all the cool things you learn on this podcast can be found at automation.omran.com. So until next time we put the fun in factory automation.